you worship team. God bless you guys. You may be seated. Kids, you guys can go on up to Kid Zone. And do we have no believers? Is that what I heard? Okay. Well, then, the, if, if you have a little one and you need some space with your little one, we have a, a family room just through this door and a nursing mother's room. Um, if you, and there's a speaker in there, so you can still be a part of the service. So, praise God. Well, uh, Dallas arrived back in, um, back in Oxford on Friday. He left on Thursday. Bless his heart, he, he messaged me and he said, I feel like such a noob. I've done this so many times and yet when I get there and I get to the train station and he's so tired, he's like, I don't know which train I'm supposed to take. And he said I had to stop and ask for directions. Anyway, but I'm like, honey, it's good. Keeps you humble. All right, well, today we're gonna talk about taking a right turn in, in our lives. Um, I have the greatest in-laws in the world. I love them dearly and most of you know Oftentimes during the winter, they will take off for a month or several weeks and um, just enjoy some, some warm weather because they're farmers and, and they work hard during those summer months so they can have some time in the winter months to take off. And every now and then, Dallas and I have the privilege of tagging along. And uh, a few years ago, we all went down to Trinidad and Tobago, which are uh, little islands off the coast of Venezuela, far, far south, Caribbean. And Trinidad and Tobago were once British colonies. So they drive on the wrong side of the road. I'm going to be an arrogant American and not say the left side. That's the wrong side of the road. <laughs> it does not make sense. Anyway, so my father-in-law being the adventurous, go-get-them man that he is, uh, rented a car and we're driving on, on the wrong side of the road. And he is doing it like a boss. I mean, if you're ever going to Central America or South America, you want my father-in-law with you because he just, he just knows no fear. He just jumps right in and he does it like a boss. I mean, he just, he's so good at what he does. So anyway, we were on this, we were trying to get onto this very busy road and we are trying to turn left. And of course, when you are turning left, you are turning into the lane that is the closest closer to you. And there's just so much traffic coming, 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 coming. And he, I'm sitting in the front seat with him because my Achilles heel is sometimes I'll get a headache if I'm sitting in the back seat. So I was sitting in the front seat with him and there's just car, 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 just coming, 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 coming. And at the last minute, he's like, forget this. We're going to turn right and we're going to come around so we can just stay with the traffic. But in that split second, in that decision to just turn right, he reverted back to what is normal and natural, and we went into the oncoming, <laughs> oncoming traffic that was going like this, okay? So I, you know, I have five sons, and one thing that God blessed me with before I had five sons is I have nerves of steel. I don't jump. My kids, countless times over the years, hiding in the dark room, I'd flip the light, bleh, and I'm like, up <laughs> drives them nuts I mean they're just like no I saw you jump I, I saw you it was in your eyes I'm like okay well whatever <laughs> but I just I don't I don't jump easily once in a great while I will gasp okay 
If I see something that is truly disturbing, I will gasp, but that is once in a great while. Three times in my life, instead of air coming in, air went out and I screamed. That was one of those three times as we are in Tobago <laughs> and we turn into the oncoming lane. <laughs> and I screamed like a little girl. I was so embarrassed because, you know, when you're someone like me who doesn't scream and then you do scream, it's like, oh my word, I cannot believe that sound just came out of my mouth. <laughs> I think I need to like turn in my cool card because I just really made that sound, didn't I? <laughs> and I'm like, I am so sorry. I'm just, and you know, my father-in-law, like a boss, he just, zoop, just gets over into the, we were fine, you know, we got a great story out of it. I thought it was the funniest thing in the world. I laughed so hard because I, I screamed. It's just, I, it was just, it was just funny to me. That was not the right way to turn. I'm just saying that. Today we're going to talk about the right way to turn. And I have to say, that was the only time that happened. We were there for like, you know, 10 days or so. It only happened once. That was the very first day we were there. So I am not dissing my father-in-law in any way. I wasn't volunteering to drive, okay? He was doing the driving and he did a fantastic job. So you're awesome, Dad. <laughs> All right. Um, for those of you who may be new today, the, what is on my heart when I am with all of you is to um, touch on some of those Old Testament stories. For those of us, us and myself included, who did not grow up going to Sunday school, don't know a lot of those Old Testament stories, and I just kind of had to figure out a lot of the stuff on my own. So um, I did not grow up with Bob. I've said this many, many times. I didn't grow up with Bob or someone like Bob telling me these, you know, these truths of, of God's word. So I've kind of had to figure out some stuff on my own. So um, I'm trying to go through somewhat consecutively so we can kind of see the big picture of the Old Testament and the story that, that God tells um, in the Old Testament. So if we could just bring up that timeline. I haven't, I haven't preached up here in a while, so... Um, Okay, so creation, this is, this is the book of Genesis. And in the book of Genesis, you've got Noah, you've got the call of Abraham. So really for our purposes, for seeing the big picture, that call of Abraham is really, really important. Um, and, and then you get into the book of Exodus. That's when the, uh, the Israelites are slaves in Egypt. And then they come out of slavery in Egypt. And then you get into uh, the book of Joshua where they enter the promised land. And then after they, the promised land is what is modern day Israel. And then you get into a time where the judges are ruling. Um, that's Gideon. We know a thing or two about Gideon. I have spoken a lot on Gideon. Samson was a judge. Deborah was a judge. And then uh, the, 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 the children of Israel decided they wanted to be like all the other nations and they wanted a king. So then we get into the rule of, of the kings and that's kind of where we're gonna start today. I touched on this the last time I preached um, on uh, Saul. And so we're gonna be picking up with Saul today. Can you just pull up the map just really carefully? I am a history teacher and I just love history, so just bear with me. So uh, Abraham, he was called down here. Of course, this is the Fertile Crescent, Mesopotamia, the land between the rivers all right there. So he was called here and God called him to come here into what is modern day Israel and then through accentuating circumstances, they end up here in Egypt and they are slaves and then uh, God raises up Moses to set them free. They wander around the, the Sinai Peninsula right here for 40 years. And then Joshua leads them into the promised land. And that is modern day Israel, 
uh, today. So our story is in here. You know, we're, we're, we're in, in Israel. All right, so that's just a quick little, quick little overview. Um, so today we're going to talk about Saul becoming the, the first king. And I touched on this, um, again, like I said, in, in, in my last message. Um, but we're going to go into a little bit more, a little bit more detail. First uh, Samuel 9 tells the story of a guy named Kish, whose donkeys wandered off. So Kish sent his son, Saul, and a servant to go find the donkeys. And they're wandering around finding the donkeys. And then finally the servant says, hey, you know, there's a prophet in this town. Let's go ask him where the donkeys are. So prophets in the Old Testament were different than, I mean, like I know some people who walk in the prophetic here where they can really hear the voice of the Lord and they can really give you an encouraging word, okay? That kind of thing. But um, several years ago, my, my diamond fell out of my ring. It was my great-grandmother's stone. I looked high and low for it, wondering where it was. If there had been a prophet in my life, I would have gone and asked the prophet, hey, where's my diamond, okay? But that's not how it works these days, okay? We don't have someone like that. It would be kind of convenient. But you know what? That is a middleman. You know what? That is a middleman. I prayed and asked God, show me where my diamond is. And he did. It was in the middle of white carpet. It, I mean, I walked into the room. I mean, the thing isn't like three carrots. It's, you know, anyway, I walked into this room and it, there was, it was like, ah, I mean, just this light beam. And I'm like, oh, that's my diamond. You know, I mean, I knew it. I knew it. It was, so it had been gone for less than 24 hours, you know. So we don't need that. We don't need a mediator. Jesus Christ is our mediator, okay? I don't need to go to a prophet and ask him, where is my diamond? I can go to God and say, God, where's my diamond? <laughs> you know, and, and, and he's faithful. So they did not have this, so they have to go to find the prophet and ask him where the donkeys are. Um, so they find out that this prophet, Samuel, uh, who was actually the last judge of Israel. So this is that transition from judges to kings. So he's the last judge. And uh, Samuel knew that they were coming because God had told them, because he's the prophet and he knows everything. <laughs> um, okay, so I'm going to pick up with 1 Samuel 9, 19 and 20. I think I have this on your handout. Uh, just then, Saul approached Samuel at the ga gateway and asked, can you please tell me where the seer's house is? So seer is just another word for, um, for prophet. And Samuel replied, I am the seer. And Sam, uh, go up to the place of worship ahead of me, and we will eat there together. And in the morning, I will tell you want, what you want to know and send you on your way. And don't worry about those donkeys that were lost three days ago because they have been found. He's just showing off at that point. <laughs> don't worry about the donkeys. He hadn't even told him about the donkeys. But Samuel already knew. And I'm here to tell you, and you're, I'm here to tell you that you and your family are the focus of all Israel's hopes. And of course, from that last message I spoke before Dallas came back, we know Saul's response. I am, I am of the least tribe, okay? And we know there was a civil war in Israel. Benjamin had been completely decimated 
because of this civil war. He was from the smallest tribe of Israel. Benjamin was the smallest tribe. Um, so he's like, I'm from the, the least tribe. So Samuel has this big dinner prepared, invites Saul. There's like 30 people there, this big table. Now, Kish, Saul's dad, he was a wealthy guy. So Saul was a used he was accustomed to opulence, okay? That wasn't foreign to him, but he did not like being the limelight. He did not like being the focus and he didn't like being the center. So that was a little, uh, a little iffy for him. He wasn't, he wasn't really crazy about that. But uh, they, he goes, makes it through and he begins to walk out of town. And as they walk out of town, Samuel breaks out his flask of anointing oil and anoints Saul as king. And that was the symbol of the anointing was the, the, the calling of God to be, to be the king. And of course, Saul is flabbergasted. I mean, he's just like, why, why are you doing this to me? And Samuel gives Saul some very specific instructions. And in 1 Samuel 10, three through eight, um, I'll just read these to you because they crack me up. When you get to the Oak of Tabor, you will see three men coming toward you who are on their way to worship God at Bethel. One will be bringing three young goats, another will have three loaves of bread, and a third will be carrying a wineskin full of wine, and they will greet you and offer you two of the loaves, which you are to accept. When you arrive at Gibeah, where the garrison of the Philistines is located, you will meet a band of prophets coming down from the place of worship, and they will be playing a harp, a tambourine, a flute, and a lyre, and they will be prophesying. A lyre is like a guitarish kind of thing. And they will be prophesying. At that time, the spirit of the Lord will come powerfully upon you, and you will prophesy with them. You will be changed into a different person, and after these signs take place, do what must be done, for God is with you. Then go down to Gilgal ahead of me, and I will join you there to sacrifice burnt offerings and peace offerings, and you must wait for seven days until I arrive and give you further instructions. If I had just heard all that, it'd be like, can I have some paper? Okay, now that was three donkeys and three loaves of bread, and it was a, a lyre, a tambourine, and what were the other ones? <laughs> you know, and you know, as he's walking around, I mean, there are people with goats and bread all over the place. I mean, he's, I, I would be like, okay, he's got two goats, but nope, I think it was three, you know? And the guy is supposed to offer you two loaves of bread, you know? These are very, very specific instructions, right? But he's, you know, he, he's got it. He's, he's doing all right. Um, but before we really get into the heart of the message, I, I want you to look at your handout because I think that there's a truth here that is just so glaring. It's so obvious here. God loves to do the extraordinary smack dab in the middle of the ordinary. This is just what God loves to do. I mean, what is, what is Saul doing? He's looking for donkeys. I mean, is that glamorous? Is that just wonderful and exciting and amazing? Not really, you know? He's just out looking for donkeys. And he's honoring his dad. He's obeying his father. He's doing his very best to, you know, find these donkeys. He's just looking for donkeys. That's all he's doing. And shazam, God just comes into the middle of the middle of the situation and completely changes Saul and the nation of Israel. I mean, that's a really extraordinary thing, right? I mean, that's a really big deal. And God just 
comes in and does it. That's what he just loves to do. Now, Saul wasn't looking for this, obviously, and God still does it because God is faithful. But we have the benefit of these stories over and over and over again in the Old Testament and the New Testament where God just comes on the scene and does something extravagant. And I find for me, I am living my best life when I am looking for that, when I am living in that place of expectation. Before I go into the grocery store, just say, God, what do you want to do in this place? Now, generally, if I, if I, even if I'm not mindful of it, if I see something, if I have an opportunity to pray for someone, I, nine times out of 10, I will take it. But it's so much more fun when you're looking for it because it's like God is on the foremost part of my brain. I am just like a secret spy on a mission, you know, looking for my assignment. I mean, it's just, it's exciting. It's so, it's just so fun. That is my best life because I'm constantly thinking about the kingdom. How can I bring the kingdom of God right here into the, you know, the dairy department, you know, the produce department. How can the kingdom of God come into this place? That is just, that is just fun. That is just fun. All right, let's hone in on verse nine. And this is on your handout. As Saul turned and started to leave, what does God do? God gave him a new heart and all Samuel's signs were fulfilled that day. It's as he turned. As he turned, that's when God touched him. There's a New Testament version of this story um, where these lepers come to Jesus and they are wanting to be healed. And at that time, if you had leprosy, of course you lived in a colony because leprosy is contagious and you you lived in a leper's colony and the priest was like the doctor of the day. He would diagnose a person with leprosy and he's the one who's gonna say whether or not you're clean, you've been cured, healed of leprosy if you have it anymore. So there are these, these 10 lepers talking to Jesus and saying we wanna be healed. And Jesus gives him instructions and says, turn, go, present yourself to the priest. And they've they've got leprosy. And as they turned, God healed them. They had to turn. I mean, it would be so easy to say, but Jesus, can't you just like make mud or do those things that you do and heal me like you healed everybody else? They had to obey. They had to turn. And as they turned, they were healed. But only one came back and said, thank you. That's always so, so remarkable. Anyway, this is the same kind of thing. And and when I read this, I don't know how many months ago when I first read this, well, not first, but you know, when God shows you something and I was, I just could not get over that word turned. I just, I was like, that is such a powerful word. And I, fortunately with Dallas being home this, this last term, I had told him, I said, I just, I I cannot get over this word, turn. There is something, there is something there. I need to dig deep into this word. And so I said, could you, because he's got, you know, all these theology 
tool books and everything that, that he has. And so um, I said, could you help me do like a study on the word turn? I wanted it, I mean, I wanted it to be big. I didn't want to just Google it, you know, I wanted it to be big. So we pulled out, he pulled out the Old Testament Hebrew lexicon and we looked up turn. And I have this on your handout for the Hebrew word of it. It's S-H-U-W-B. It's pronounced shub. And it means turn. <laughs> That's all it means. <laughs> turn. I'm like, it's not like turning on the axis, you know, the earth turning on its axis. It's nothing big and grandiose. No. Shub. It means turn. <laughs> I was a little disappointed. I am not going to lie. I really thought I was onto something. <laughs> But yeah, it's just turn. I really tried to bring something awesome and cultural to y'all today, but shub means turn. <laughs> That's all you get. <laughs> but I still think for our purposes, there is something so powerful here. Um, in order to turn, we have to obey. And I love Bob's word this morning on Simon Says. Absolutely, you have to obey. And that's on, your, that's on your handout. Turning is an act of obedience. It's just like when those, when those lepers turned. They were turning to go present themselves to the priest to obey, just like Jesus said. And this was what Saul was doing. He was turning to obey all of those steps that Samuel had given him. He was going to obey. And it's so striking to me that it's as he turned, that's when God gave him a new heart. As he turned. Because he had every, every intention of obeying. He was turning to obey. He's not standing there and saying, oh, Samuel, I don't know what you're talking about. No thanks. <laughs> you know? No, he is turning. He is turning to obey. And as he continued to fulfill these steps and go through and obey, God continues to empower him, okay? Because it's later on after several steps down the road, that's when God completely changes him. So if you are struggling with an area of sin in your life, I want to encourage you. God is so gracious. Let's look at this verse, um, 2 Peter 1, 3. This is just one of my most favorite verses. It's on your handout. 2 Peter 1.3, by his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. We have received all of this by coming to know him, the one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. Are you kidding? Everything I need for living a godly life. God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. I can't say, oh God, it's just too hard. I can't do this. I can't live a godly life. No, 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 that is, that, is a, that is a lie from the pit. God's word says he has given us everything we need to live a godly life. Okay, I want you to look at your handout. Let's say this together. Say that version, that just part of the verse. God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. Okay, let's just make it personal and let's say I. Okay, God has given me everything I need for living a godly life. 
Let's say it again. God has given me everything I need for living a godly life. I'm telling you, that should be a post-it note on your refrigerator and on, your, on my bathroom mirror. You know, that is a powerful truth. God has given me everything I need for living a godly life. There is nothing that you are lacking to live a godly life. He's given you everything you need. Um, and so many times, walking that out starts with a simple step, a turn. And sometimes that simple step or that turn, it might seem like something very small, but just like Neil Armstrong, okay, it's a giant leap for your spiritual life. Okay, it might feel like something small. It might feel, it might in reality be something small, and, and, but to you it is really something big because it is such, it's something that has got such a hold of your life. Um, but God will empower you as you continue to take those steps. Um, so, you know, maybe, maybe there is a place that you go to on your way home from work that is not a positive influence on your life. Maybe you need to take a different route home from work so you're not driving by that place. Maybe you need to go through your contact list and get rid of a few contacts of people who are not a good influence on you, okay? Maybe it's throwing away stuff in your house, movies or substances, whatever it is. Maybe you've got things that you need to get rid of in your house that are constantly tripping you up. Um, whatever it is, you know, and, and sometimes the I, walking down that road of freedom and living that godly life, it can feel very daunting and difficult, but it's just one step at a time, okay? It's just one step at a time. I remember our, and when Dallas and I were in college, our choir director one time told us, living the righteous life is just doing the next right thing. It's just doing the next right thing. Okay, sometimes it's like, oh my goodness, I can't go my whole life without this thing. I can't go my whole life without this person who is constantly bringing me down, okay? Don't look at it that way. Just, just look at it today. Just right now, at this moment, I'm just gonna get through this moment. <laughs> I'm gonna get through today, and I'm gonna make the right choices, and I'm gonna do the right thing. Don't, don't get your eyes so full of the future and it becomes too big. Does that make sense? Just take it one, one step at a time. Now, many of us know the full story of, of Saul. Unfortunately, his decision that he made to obey there at the beginning, he does not continue to walk in that. At some point in his life, he chooses not to obey and to do what he wants. And that's when God rejects him as king and chooses David, David to be king. And actually we'll be studying him the next time I'm, I'm up here. Um, but Saul had a choice. And we have a choice. Every day I have to get up and stoke that fire of obedience and say, God, today I'm gonna do what you've called me to do. God, today I'm gonna live for you to the very best of my ability. 
Today, I'm going to make those choices that are going to benefit my walk with you. Okay, there's another scripture that I want to I want to hit, this is on your handout as well, Ephesians 5, 18 and 19. Don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. That's pretty simple, that's in the New Living. I memorized this, this verse in high school in King James and it says, um, be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess. Well, what does that mean? It means that being drunk is gonna ruin your life. <laughs> that's what it means. I mean, wherein is excess, I think what it's saying is it will lead to indulgence, you know, excess, having more stuff that you should not be having, you know, that kind of thing. But ultimately, it's going to ruin your life, okay? They kind of cut to the chase there. But instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves and making music to the Lord in your hearts. Again, I like the King James because it says, um, speaking to yourself in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. So if you talk to yourself, <laughs> you're not crazy, Okay? Speaking to yourself in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your hearts to the Lord. And, okay, so even though Hebrew, shub, means turn, that's not very insightful, but I do remember hearing a verse, hearing a sermon on this verse when I was in high school, that in, in the Greek, this actually means, if you literally translate it, it's be being filled with the Spirit. So it is like, I don't want to sound like an existentialist, but it is a state of being, okay? It is a state of being where you are constantly being filled. It's not like a one and done, you know? You live in this, in this state of just constantly being in fellowship with God. And that is that expectancy when you go to the grocery store and it's like, okay, God, what are you doing? What are you wanting to do right now here in this grocery store? How can I bring the kingdom of God into this grocery store? Be being filled. This is not, you know, Christianity is not just praying a prayer one time and then going off and we just live our own lives. It's a choice every day that I am going to obey because we can't end up like Saul where we just all of a sudden choose not to obey. And then your life falls apart. <laughs> so many times. Life just falls apart. I want to be like Samuel, who never wavered, not like Saul. I think of Buddy and Faye when they moved to, to South Dakota. You know, when, when God called them to come up here, they, we all went to church together in Missouri, and a couple years after Dallas and I had been up here and, and planted River Center, um, God called them to come up, and you know, they didn't delay. There was a lot to be done. You got to sell your house and get things in order, but they didn't put it off and put it off and put it off. I mean, they did it, they did it right away, and they didn't come up because they, you know, loved the snow and wanted to take up downhill skiing in the Black Hills, <laughs> okay? They didn't come up here because they loved us and missed us so much, <laughs> They came up here because God called them to come up here. And they uprooted their lives and everything they had to come up here to obey the call of God. And that was so much of what we did Wednesday at Buddy's funeral was celebrating the fulfillment of Buddy's calling and all that he did for the Lord 
not just while he was here, but also in Missouri, but we all saw what the Lord used him to do, um, to do here. You cannot love God without obedience. Uh, there's a verse on your handout, John 14, 15. It's pretty simple. This is Jesus. If you love me, obey my commandments. There's really no way of interpreting that any other way other than if you love him, you'll obey him. Pretty straightforward. All right, on your handout, turning also involves trust. Turning also involves trust. Again, when Buddy and Faye moved up here, and my mother-in-law told this story at, at the prayer service, they had secured jobs and housing, and as soon as they got up here, it all fell apart. <laughs> now, at that point, I know I would be thinking, did I hear God right? Are we really supposed to be here? I don't know, because this is not looking like a really easy road. <laughs> I'm not really having fun right now being homeless and jobless in a state I've never lived in before, okay? But they trusted. They trusted the Lord, and God provided for them. God took care of them, and they were able to prosper here in the midst of that calling, even though it was, it was rough to begin with. They knew to whom they belonged. All right, look at your handout. I have another truth there. We have to trust God that first of all, we heard from God, and secondly, that God will take care of us. And in terms of that hearing from God, that can really be a daunting question because so many times, my experience has been much like Buddy and Faye's, where Dallas and I, you know, we really believe we've heard something from God, and the second we step out into it, it gets really tough. <laughs> And you naturally are going to think, man, did I, did I not hear right, okay? So one of, the, one of the first times we really encountered this was when we, had, uh, we decided to build a house in Missouri. Dallas was uh, putting himself through seminary as a contractor. And so we thought, well, I can, you know, contract, be the contractor for our own house, and, and we, could, we could turn a profit on this. So we, we, we I mean, we really sought the Lord. I, we prayed, we fasted, we really really focused our attention on hearing from the Lord because, you know, we certainly didn't want to go build this house and have it all, you know, go to ruin and, you know, this is not God, God's plan for us. So we really consecrated many, 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 many days to really seek the face of the Lord and we really felt like God was calling us to do this. Well, if you've ever built a house, you know it's never all hunky-dory and, and wonderful. And there was something that had happened right at the beginning during the foundation, um, when the foundation was being poured. And I remember, I mean, Dallas and I were, I mean, we were young. I, I, think, I, I think Seth had just been born, or, he, or I was pregnant with him. Anyway, I mean, it was a long, long time ago. And um, I remember... I remember us sitting in our family room and just crying out to the Lord and saying, God, did we miss you? We've already bought this land <laughs> and we've already gotten the foundation poured in. Did we not hear you? Was this not your plan 
for us? Were we not supposed to do this? And I felt like God was just settling on my heart and showing me that God's grace is like a safety net, okay? It's a safety net. And, you know, while Dallas and I are doing our trapeze thing, (laughs) if we fall, we've got that safety net. God is gonna protect us because he knows our heart. This was how, this was just so comforting and loving how the Father speaks to us. It's like God knew that we were doing our very, very best. We were seeking his face. We were saying, okay, God, what? We only want to do what you, want, what you want us to do. Our lives are not our own. Our lives belong to you. What do you want for us? And we really did seek the Lord. And so, and I do believe now that it was God's plan for us to, to build that house because it really, really, really was a blessing. But I had to realize, okay, God, you are big enough. You know our hearts. You know our hearts before you that we really tried. <laughs> We really sought your face to the very, very best of our ability. And you are so gracious that even if we did not hear you correctly, you are not going to let us fall. You're not going to let us fall because he's too loving. He's too gracious to let that happen. If your heart is honestly and sincerely pointed towards the Lord and you don't want to step out and just do your own thing and you really believe that you've heard from the voice of the Lord and you go ahead and do it, And let's say it's not necessarily God's perfect plan A for you. There is grace. He's not going to say, well, sorry. Have fun in financial ruin. You know, that's just not how he is. He is too gracious and he is too kind. So I just want to encourage you that when you are in a place where you believe that you've heard from God and everything gets rough, that first of all, it doesn't mean that you haven't heard from God. And secondly, even if you didn't hear quite right, there is grace. He's a gracious, loving father. We can trust his goodness. We can trust his character. We can trust that his intentions are always pure. We can trust his holiness. He doesn't make mistakes. He's not going to drop you, okay? He is going to hold you in his hands. Um, And all we have to do is keep our hearts pointed towards him. Amen. Amen. So maybe there's an area in your life that you need to make a right turn in. And I have some space on your handout if there is something that you are feeling like you need to make a change in your life. And maybe it's something personal and you don't want to write it down for fear that someone might see it. That's okay. You don't have to write it down. Um, But I just want to give us a little bit of space here to just seek the Lord if there is an area in your life that maybe you need to make that right turn, you need to turn correctly and let God move and work. Because as you continue to fulfill those steps, he's gonna empower you. He's gonna give you strength, just like he did with Saul. You know, when Saul first turned, God changed his heart. But it wasn't until he was several steps into this thing that the Bible says that the spirit of the Lord came on him and he was changed into a different person. So you first obey, and then as you continue to obey, continue to take those baby steps, he is going to continue to empower you and continue to strengthen you. So even if it feels big and daunting, God will give you the strength. 
He'll give you the strength that you need. Maybe it's media or entertainment, okay? Maybe it's toxic relationships, people that are bringing you down. Maybe it's substances, uh, addictions of, of some other kind. Um, it doesn't matter. It is not too big for God to help you with. Let's just bow our heads before the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. You know, whether you've been a Christian for 30 years or maybe you're not a Christian at all, really at the end of the day, what we all need is that right turn. To take that turn to allow us to be pointed towards the Lord. And turning, it just begins with surrender and consecration. And that is just, that's done by prayer. Just giving every part of our lives to the Lord. So if you're in this place and you want to make a right turn either in a specific area of your life or if you're not a Christian at all and you want to turn the whole of your life over to the Lord, I just want to invite you to just, to just pray with me. Oh, Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. And I confess my need for you. I confess that I have areas in my life that I need to turn over to you. I need to make a right turn in my life. I repent and renounce these areas of sin in my life. So just, just take a minute, whatever that area is, just whisper it to the Lord right now. Maybe you could make better use of your time. Giving God your time to grow. God, I ask you to forgive me of these sins, God. Cleanse me of all unrighteousness. God, I surrender every area of my life to you. And I declare that you are Lord over me. I thank you that you have given me everything I need to live a godly life. And I trust you with every detail of my life. God, I choose to obey you. God, keep flooding my life with your grace. And God, empower me to walk with you as I obey. In Jesus' name. God, I just pray for each person here who prayed that prayer. Father, I pray that they would feel your power flowing through them, God, right now. Lord, every area of consecration, God, every area that needs that right turn, God, I pray that you would flood in. God, that you would reassure each one of us that we are not alone and that you are right there with us and that you will help us to give these areas over to you and to walk in obedience. Oh, we thank you, Father.
In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You guys are doing great. You can sit right there. Best seat in the house, right there. Definitely. You know, you guys just get to be a better looking group every time. I mean, I get a chance, like Sarah just said, I get a chance to do this just once a month, and and every time, boy, it's great. Look at all these. Look at all of them. My goodness. That's a huge group. Love it. You guys are great. You're fantastic. Today, we're going to do... All kinds of things at once. Oh, gosh. I don't know. You guys are going to have to really, you kind of have to keep your, your eyes open, your ears open, seeing and listening, because we're just going to do all kinds of things. I brought some equipment here. Uh, what, what does this thing do? Do you know? Blender. Yeah, it's a blender, right? So I think it would be a good idea. Maybe with, I thought we could make a, a, a strawberry milkshake today. Yeah. What do you think? strawberry milkshake, but at the same time, we're going to be playing a little game called Simon Says. You know Simon Says? Yeah, okay. You, you, think, you, you think you can't hear me? Oh, gosh, wow. Yeah, you're right. It's, it's key in Simon Says. You really got to be able to hear. Well, I'll try and talk louder then, okay? Okay. All right. Um, Simon Says involves what we call obedience, right? And obedience, obey, is just a, is a word that says you need to listen and then do what somebody says, right? So there's all kinds of people that we might obey. We might, we might hopefully, we obey our parents. We listen and, and, and kind of do things because they love us and they want to do the right things for us. And hopefully we obey God. So we'll be talking about all kinds of stuff there. So, but let's get on to making our shake and playing Simon Says. Yes, real okay, quick. You gotta be listen very careful for the Simon Says because if you do it but you didn't say it. Well, that's up to you guys to listen. See, that's where the obey part comes in, right? Yeah, if, if I don't say the right words, then you just don't do what I say, right? Okay. So, if you don't know, Simon says, it kind of goes like this. I lead, and I say something like, Simon says, everybody put your hand on the top of your head. All right? So far, so good. You're obeying. And then I say, Simon says, put your hand on your knee. And then I say, put your hand on your other knee. <laughs> oh, I got you. You know why? You didn't get me. Oh, good, good. I'm glad you were watching. Because I didn't say Simon says. See, so if I don't say Simon says, then you don't do it, right? Then you just, then you, then you, then you don't listen to me. Then you just ignore me and just don't do what I say. So uh, Simon says, put your hand on your elbow. Simon says, put your hand on your chin. Stomp your feet. Oh, not bad. Not bad. Pretty good. You guys didn't do it. Okay. Now, let's get on to the milkshake, right? Oh, yeah. Woo! Um, strawberry milkshake. 
So we're going to probably need some milk, don't you think? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we're going to need some milk. There it is. I, I actually got strawberry milk. Didn't that help? So I don't have it all plugged in, so we're probably not going to actually fill this thing up. But let's, is this something that I might need? Yes. Okay. Let me put that down there. Um, also, how about uh, would I need a banana? No. All right. We're, we, we got a division in the house here. Some say banana, some say no. Okay. Strawberries and banana, yes, maybe. Just might, maybe. Um, would, you, would you peel that? What? Not supposed to put it in. Okay, that one for sure. Once you peel that. Wow, Simon didn't say peel it. Oh. That's all right, right? That's okay. Um, okay, going into the uh, milkshake. Um, chili powder? No. No. Definitely not. Anybody? You got any takers for chili powder in the strawberry milkshake? No. Um, Simon says, tap your foot. Simon says, tap the other foot. Simon says, scratch your head. Stand up. Sit down. Oh, oh I think I got one. Um, Hot sauce? No. That's if you wanted spicy, you should have Simon says drink this. No. No. No, 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 no. Simon doesn't say drink that. No, that's, you're right. Um, tuna into the milkshake? Simon says, raise your hands above your head three times. Simon says, cross your arms. Simon says, put your knees together as much as you can. And rub your forehead. Pretty good. Pretty good. You guys are listening really well, I'd say. Yeah, I'd say you're doing pretty good. All right, back to the milkshake. Strawberries? Yeah. Yeah. And, and some say banana, and some say strawberry, and everybody says strawberries, right? A good idea, right? So we've got, uh, we got the milk, we got the strawberries, we got maybe a banana. We definitely don't have tuna. No chili powder. You definitely said no to the hot sauce, okay? Um, Let's see. Um, see, Simon says, wave your hand. Wave the other hand. Wave the right hand. Wave the left hand. Put it up above your head. Put it down here. Stomp your feet. Boy, I didn't say Simon says on almost all of that stuff. Okay. You know what, this is, this is a, I, it's kind of a fun thing to do to, to talk about this. What I had you doing is trying to see if you could obey me while we're playing Simon Says, while I had you doing something else. I had you thinking about the milkshake, 
And then I would just throw something in there and say, do this or do that, or Simon says, do this or do that. You know, that's kind of the way it is when we're, we're just living our lives for God. You know, there's all kinds of stuff going on around us. We got friends, we got people who are talking to us, we've got we got all kinds of things we could do, right? We got we we could uh, we could say, oh, I'm not going to pray today because I have to go out and play all day long. Well, you know, God's if we're going to obey God, He says, you know, make sure that you pray and make sure that you read the Bible and make sure you listen to your parents and all that stuff. So a lot of times when there's all kinds of stuff going on around us. Sometimes it's hard to be able to hear God and obey him. So we just got to remember that we want to we keep focused on God, keep listening to God so that when he tells us what we need to do, we can obey him. You know, and that goes for, for all the people sitting out here too. They got all kinds of things going on in their lives. They're busy people and they have jobs and and. And, and they, they want to have time with you, too. But they also need to be listening to God because sometimes he, t- he, gives them, he gives them instructions and tells them this is what needs to be done. And he also tells them, make sure that you're, you're staying close to me by praying and reading the Bible and, and being around other Christian people. So I want you to remember when all your stuff is going on around you, to remember to be a Simon Says person with God. Only this time it's when God says, then we listen. Okay? Let's, let's, say, a, let's say a prayer together. Is that okay? Dear Jesus, help us to be people who love others because that's God. That's what you tell us to do. And when you tell us to do it, we listen, and then we're thankful that we can love other people. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Now, Simon says you can go back to your seats.